At this time, over 2,000 years ago, he was preparing, not only himself, but he was preparing his disciples and his followers for that day that he would be crucified. Going in to Jerusalem as a king would go in, and yet just a few days later, hanging on the cross like a thief or a murderer. He knew what was waiting on him. And even though he told his disciples, they they could not comprehend it. I have been critical of that quite a bit in my past. But as I look at this and I mature in my faith, you know, how would they be able to relate to what he was saying? Unless you've been there and done that, you don't have any idea. They were still in the midst of thinking of him as a king. But not king as in savior, but king such as king of Israel, another David. And so they were arguing as to who would sit on his right and who would sit on his left, even as they prepared to go into Jerusalem. They're thinking of places of honor for them. Hey, I've been with you these years. I've earned it. I've had to go without my family. I've slept on the ground. Uh, I've had every hardship you can imagine. I've earned a seat at the table. They didn't get it. But it's a real mistake for us today to not understand. Oh yeah, there's thousands, maybe even millions, that do not believe in Jesus Christ, do not believe in the scriptures that I'm going to share with you. There are those, many, many, many of those. But God told us that we would have troubled times. But he also said we're to love. We're to love our enemies. That's not easy. That's not easy. When it comes to forgiveness, somebody that has really harmed you, then it is hard to forgive that person, but that's exactly what he asked us to do. And in forgiving that person, we release that anger that we have inside of us. You may be blessing yourself more than anybody else. The other person would not know that they are on your hit list, that you can't wait to get even, to get a gotcha. They probably don't even know it, but you do, and you're planning and meditating on it, and, well, when I see them and they say this, I'm going to say that, and, boy, it's, it's going to be... Uh, It's going to be one of those times I'm going to just really let them know what I think of them. And what we ought to be thinking, I'm going to let them know what I think of them, and that is I love you. It is not easy. It is not easy. Not for me, not for you, not for your family or anybody else. Forgiveness is never easy. But as always, Jesus Christ is asking us to do something that will help us. Yeah, we're forgiving them, but it's amazing how much more relaxed your body is, how much uh, you quit thinking of negative things and you're free to think about positive things. He and his disciples had traveled 
for those three, three and a half years. We don't know exactly. And troubled times, uh, you know, with a lot of challenges. But Jesus had his mission. And the disciples, they had theirs. Judas took another route, but he had his mission also. They all did. Prior to Jesus going into Jerusalem, I'm reading now from the 18th chapter of Matthew for those of you that would like to join in the reading. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly, I tell you, Unless you change and become like a little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one of such child is in my name, welcomes me. Unfortunately, there is way... Too much abuse of those that are defenseless. It can be a four or five-year-old. It can be a two-year-old. Too many times, those defenseless little individuals are molested or beat or burned. I know when I was on the juvenile advisory uh, committee in Lubbock, we learned that a lot of times... Parents will discipline their children because they had an accident in their underwear, then they stick their bottom in boiling water. They would use cigarettes on their arms. You'd see those at school. And then they would cover up the bruises of young children, of young children. But what they also found out is those that were raised that way continue the pattern. And somewhere the pattern's got to be broken. I know my mother and my dad disciplined me. My dad would use the belt. That's what my son got. Now, my daughter, she never got that. Uh, and that's the reason he calls her the golden child. But uh, <laughs> he deserved every one of them. <laughs> He's like his dad. But... Anyone that does any harm at all to a child, that is so reprehensible that it's, there's no defense. There's no defense whatsoever. And God is saying that. In the sixth verse, same chapter, the 18th, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have large millstones hung around their necks, and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Do you think there's some punishment for that? Rightfully so. Anybody that would do such heinous acts with these young little defenseless children that are still trying to learn how to walk. So I don't think Jesus is being too tough on them at all. But there's another story here. That's our story. Our story in Christ. 
There's got to be a beginning somewhere. Mine, I was about 12, I think, when I was baptized. And it's been a journey. There's been those mistakes I've made, and I've made some wise decisions as well. But certain points in my life, there were a lot more mistakes than there were good steps. But we have the responsibility to nurture these young Christians. Nurture them with the Word of God. To be there with them and let them know there's nothing going to happen to you that God would not turn His back on. You may feel guilty about this or that, but God loves you 100%. We have the responsibility as church to help those new Christians, those baby Christians. I know I saw a situation in college where two guys, and I think I've shared this before, uh, but if your memory is like mine, you won't remember either, uh, that these two guys were real partiers. They were on the Texas Tech football team, and they were just looking for a fight and show how tough they were. Well, one of the two went away to Colorado to Campus Crusade for Christ. He came back a changed person, a strong Christian. But he had the same roommate, and his roommate kept badgering him, badgering him, badgering him. Oh, and over months, he took up his old ways. We as Christians need to be there to support them. When we know somebody has given their life to Jesus Christ, they are a child, a new birth, a new beginning. We know that once you're baptized, that is your first birthday with Jesus Christ because from that point on, you are guaranteed a seat in heaven. That is your birthday. For you will spend eternity with our Lord. And we ought to be there to help each other. There's not a one of us in here that doesn't have issues this very day. Some are great, some are just everyday stuff, but we have issues. And we need Him. And we need Him. And we need our brothers and Christians in Christ. That is one of the many reasons why it's so important that Christians gather together. For after we do that, we leave as individuals, but we're stronger. We're stronger because we've been in the house of the Lord. Jesus warns about looking down on others. The 10th verse, 18th chapter still. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you, there are angels in heaven. Always see the faces of my Father in heaven. There's angels protecting the little ones, the new ones. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hill and go to look for the one that wandered? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven 
is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. And again, when I say little ones, we're little ones in that we're learning the steps that Jesus Christ would want us to take each and every day. And maybe we grow just a little bit each day. But if we grow a little bit each day in our faith and our strength, then think about how much we've grown over a year. Think about the witness. Think about the strength. Think about the lives that we can touch. If we just, if we just grow in the Word on a daily basis. Baby steps. Well, eventually the baby gets there. The baby falls down and gets back up. You ride a bicycle and you fall down, you get back up. Christians, we will fall down, but we get back up. Jesus teaches us to treat a believer who sins. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out the faults. And between the two of you, if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one of or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of the two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even then, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three may gather in my name, there I am. Many of you have said that when you come into this house of the Lord, that you feel His presence. The first time I went into the war room, the prayer room, I felt His presence. I stopped. I literally stopped at the door, not wanting to go any further in because that, that feeling of God's presence was so powerful. And as I went in, I looked around and I saw the crosses. I saw the, the places where individuals will eventually be sitting down for prayer time. I see the books that are out. I see the crosses on the wall. I see all of these godly sayings. It's the same room I went in last week. As far as the carpet and the paint goes. But it's not the same room. It's a room in which that Holy Spirit exists. We have been blessed. And I hope that you feel blessed each and every time you walk in through those double doors and feel that you are in the presence of God Himself. The 22nd verse, still the 18th chapter. I tell you, 
not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, excuse me, what that was making reference to was the previous words. Um, Then Peter called to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall we forgive our brothers or sisters who sin against us? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. That means an infinite number. It doesn't mean that you multiply 7 by 77 and that's it. For God has told us that He will always forgive us if we go to Him. Swallow our pride and go to Him and ask for forgiveness. And say, okay God, I did it again. I'm trying. I'm trying to be a better Christian. I need your help. There is no limit on the number of times He will forgive us. And we are to show the same love for our brothers and sisters in that there should be no limit. It might be your brother. It may be your father. Maybe they have wronged you, but you are called to forgive. Forgive as your father has forgiven you. Jesus continues, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man owed him 10,000 bags of gold gold was brought to him. Let me see if I conveyed that. A servant was brought to him, to the master, and this servant owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children... And all that he had to uh, sell be sold so that the debt could be repaid. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. And I'm going to paraphrase the next couple of paragraphs. This same individual that begged his master, begged him, please have mercy. I will pay you back. Give me more time. He leaves and he runs into someone that he has working for him. And he does not show the same love for this person that he had just received from the master. Well, the Others that knew what had taken place saw this. They went back to the master and they relayed that to him. That he did not give the same love and care and nurturing to this fellow man. So he is called back in there to the master. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Should you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my Father, Heavenly Father, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and your sisters from your heart. Do 
unto others as you would have them do unto you. This sums up all the laws that the Jews ever had or that we ever had. It can be a next-door neighbor that doesn't clean their yard. It could be anything. But we as Christians are called to forgive. And we set the example. And don't ever think individuals are not watching you. They are watching each and every one of us. I don't care if it's playing volleyball, baseball, uh, round of golf, whatever. Somebody's watching you. And you're either making a positive statement for Jesus Christ or a negative one. Jesus had conflicts with the religious leaders. I'm going to paraphrase this because of time. He had these conflicts with these these leaders and they were always trying to uh, catch him in something that they could prosecute him for. They were always there meddling in it and whenever they'd ask a question, Jesus was smart enough to know they really had something else on the agenda. But long before Jesus ever entered Jerusalem on that first uh, Passover, that first week, uh, that first Passover in which he was, uh, he was executed, long before that, he was drawing such crowds. They were jealous, they were afraid of him, and they wanted to get rid of him one way or another. He was never intimidated by them. He answered them truthfully and from his heart. And in each situation, they had to struggle with with the outcome. Jesus speaks to the rich young man. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, What good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. "You You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still do? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, He went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I tell you, it is harder for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for someone who is rich to earn the kingdom of God. And they said, How can we get into heaven then? And he said, With man... 
it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Tell you one more story. And this is in the 20th chapter. Jesus was with his disciples, and as they walked by these two blind men, they called out to him. They called out to him to heal their blindness. And they referred to him in the name of David. Heal us. They were making connection with David and the scriptures that said the Messiah would be in the lineage of David. He stopped and he healed both of them. And those two blind men saw more than the religious leaders ever saw because they saw him as the Messiah. With that connection, you know that they were speaking to the Messiah in their hearts. So even if they could not see literally, they were seeing that the Messiah was there. And the religious leaders, they were too busy trying to prosecute him. They were too busy trying to destroy him. So they never saw what the blind men saw, the Savior. Dear Heavenly Father, we bow our heads, for we know you are here, and your light shines so bright. Lord, as Jesus and his disciples prepared themselves to enter Jerusalem. Let us prepare ourselves for these next couple of weeks. Prepare ourselves by reading the Word and studying the Word and see what you would ask of us. Let us prepare ourselves for the enrichment of knowing Jesus Christ in a more powerful way than we have ever known before. Let us give you all the praise, all the glory, and let us be an example in this community of how God can work in our lives. For we ask this in your name, Lord. Your name. And it's in your name we say thank you, thank you, and we love you. Amen.